Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast with myself, Roy Shanahan, and of course, Nathan Doyle from TheBigKickoff.com. Now, this week, Bohemians Football Club say their hands are tied when it comes to the capacity of the new Daily Mount Park project. The ground is in the hands of Dublin City Council and the redevelopment costs are mainly coming from government coffers. Nathan, uh, Daniel Lambert came out this week and said that he had seen the criticism or seen that, uh, I suppose, people were questioning whether 6,000 was enough he also said that, that they felt that it would create a great atmosphere, but their hands were tied because this was a government funded thing and not really a Bohemians funded thing. Uh, they said that they can go into talks with the architect and see if there's a chance to boost that capacity down the line. So if there was room for them to be able to increase that capacity what have you made of this? Uh, this is probably a good thing, really, that they're they're talking about now. Yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? You know, this is something that, that me and you have talked about for a number of weeks now. When you take in the, the redevelopment of Daily Mount Park and the Save Talker Park campaign that has been attached to that too. So a bit of clarity, really, isn't it? Um, I, I, I wonder what that quote even ends at us because we, we've been quite critical, haven't we? About, yeah, I was kind of hoping that, Nathan. I was kind of hoping that. Yeah, say what you mean, Dan. Just tag us in the next one. Um, <laughs> but now, uh, yeah, it, it, it's clarity. That's what it is. We, we can sit here. We, we've made our feelings seen now. And like, like it, it, it feels like a change. Anything, but we've said how that the, the 6,000 capacity, you know, even before going off the the hype around the, the, the European games and the Adiba Stadium. The demand is clearly there for Bohemians, you know, and again, like we said, we just don't want to be rehashing our points, but while the clarity is nice, no harm being a bit optimistic and being, you know, adventurous with, with going for that high capacity, which I think you can achieve, especially in, at the bigger games and even in the weekend, week out game, you know, the, the Bohemians, even in the current state now in Dalymount Park, we still do, well, Jordan, normal circumstances, obviously before COVID-19, but he was still known for drawing a big crowd, whether that be home or away. So, yeah, it's definitely, if, if there is a club in the League of Ireland that you feel could, um, you know, pull in these big figures, Bohemians definitely is one of them. But, yeah, look, a bit of clarity there by, uh, by Dan. It's nice to have it, you know, because even we were sort of having these debates, it's difficult to, to start to go off and you don't have any clarity from the clubs and the people uh, in the higher up positions in these clubs. So, yeah, as far as Bohemian fans, you might be disappointed, but, even we were talking about it, you know, a lot of this does lie around the Dublin City Council because they really want to push not only Daily Mount Park but the surrounding area and that seems to be what the whole redevelopment was hinging on. Yeah, and he also said that if they were to back out and look for something else, this would set them back years and they, it says that it was conducted three or four years ago. We had four options and what we got was option three, which is 6,000 capacity, which allows for a lot of community development. Uh, given where we have come and that we want to see daily amount uh, become a reality, that's the capacity was the one that was going to deliver it properly. So they kind of needed the the community stuff around it as well. Yeah. But again, it's good to, and encouraging to hear that they will look at talking to the architects, they will talk to them about maybe being able to, you know, build on, uh, extend that capacity in the future, leave room for that. So that that's that's something that it's yeah. it's it's out there now and that they're discussing as well. And and really that's all we were looking for them to do was to discuss it. Yeah, big time. Yeah, really is because I don't know about you, but I was, I just thought that was it. It was it was dead in the water and this is what they were getting. They were getting six thousand capacity, yeah, like a lumber sort of situation, but yeah, to leave that all open, it can only be a benefit for, for bowls, you know. They can go back in time after it, whatever it be, a couple of years and say, well, look, we're selling out the 6,000 on a consistent basis. The demand is there, with, whether that be the season ticket numbers and the membership numbers are staying the same or are going up. So, yeah, to have that all open is nice. And we said it before, we, we, we were not against, I think if you were against the redevelopment of Damon Park, you'd be absolutely crazy to have that um, 
in the league. It can only be a benefit going forward. So, yeah, nice to see, isn't it? It's nice. Again, just the clarity is nice and, and just that we can now continue this conversation about, you know, when we do get updates and we can sort of, you know, we can harken back to the, the club itself has now commented on the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we'll see what happens from there. Now, Bohemians have a game at the weekend and the FAI Cup second round kicks off on Friday night. But on Sunday, there's a matter of Bohemians and Shamrock Rovers, which should be a cracker night. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, looking forward to it. You know, obviously, when when the draw came out, that was the, the, the toy of the round, really. Yeah, we do have some more interesting games they're going to get into. But, you know, from a neutral point of view, and even a selfish St. Pat's point of view, to see uh, two big Premier Division sides get drawn this early into the competition, you know, it, it definitely does make things interesting, doesn't it? We always had the, the conversation when it was uh, off and Shamrock Rovers final for a number of years that they never seemed to got each other. So, yeah, to, to, to see two big teams getting drawn, it can always uh, be really good. You know, Bohemians to be College Corinthians uh, down a Cork 5-0 in the last round and Shamrock Rovers beat Galway 2-0 uh, at home. So, yeah, it's um, fine himself now. Both coming in, uh, really good one of form. I just wonder how the schedule will sort of come into it, you know. Um, Bohemian's last game was back on Sunday, the 15th of August, so a nice little break. And Shamrock Rovers will be coming into this game fresh off um, off the two big European times against uh, FD Flora Talon. So you have to wait and see how they're going on on Thursday night with that one. But yeah, I wonder just how Stephen Bradley was starting 11, you know, like you said, even for. The, the home leg, leg against Talent like the league races out injured so I wonder how the squad will look after that you know that, 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 you'd fancy uh, Talent to probably do the job after that, that, their impressive first leg but this could, again that could potentially go to for the distance you know could go even far penalty so yeah I wonder what Stephen Bradley will have at his disposal for this game because you wouldn't imagine he's going to want to be playing just kids and, and just get through this game after such a hectic week that we have you know yeah, I was going to say that, Nathan. Yeah, you couldn't you couldn't go out against Bohemians and put a week inside out because losing against Bohemians is, you know, it's just you know they can't it can't happen. You can't go out and give up against Bohemians, you know, by handing them you know a young squad to go out and try and beat. So it's going to be. I think it's just going to be a quick turnaround. I think they're just going to have to play their 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 best eleven, or maybe there'd be a couple of players who maybe let's say Graham Bork's on the bench and he plays on the Sunday or whatever way he decides. Ma- uh, Mandreu, you know, he he, t- he tends to put him on the bench sometimes as well. So you might get a couple of changes there, but I I'm kind of seeing a, a full side. You'd want to be we- beaten, Bowes, really. Yeah, you'd imagine so as well. Stephen Shamrock Rovers never. The league isn't, isn't done with any stretch of the imagination. It's still tight, but surely coming to this campaign, you know, like every, every major side winning leagues, we'll have ambition at doing the double as well, you know, this season. So that'll, I'm sure that'll be in the pipeline for, for, for Bradley. There was one thing coming into this game now. Um, we were talking about the, the big stadium and how, how well ball was done during the European games there. To see that Stephen Bradley was actually hinting and sort of wanting this game to be played in the Aviva. What, what do you reckon about that? Because obviously for myself, from the outside looking in, I can sort of understand why Bowles wouldn't want to give up the home advantage. It's up to Bowles. <laughs> you know, it's not up to Stephen Bradley. So yeah. Bowles yeah. play it wherever they want to play it. It's their home fixture. So it's Stephen Bradley probably thinks that there'd be an opportunity to, he'd rather play them in the Aviva. It's more of a neutral venue and you know, you'd get the crowd, you'd probably get more, you'd get more Shamrock Rovers fans in, you know, it'd be more of an advantage for Shamrock Rovers. So, yeah, of course he'd want it. So, um, no. Well, I mean, obviously you want full houses at all the grounds, you want the, everyone in and, you know, great atmosphere. So, you definitely will get more of an atmosphere though at the Aviva. So, from that point of view, but it doesn't make sense for Bose. No, not at all. Like I was saying, it's all about a home advantage. And look, you can say how well Bowles have done in European games. He, he actually really made a home at the Aviva Stadium, didn't he? Uh, with the atmosphere was electric for the, for the two games were there and the two great results. But yeah, they want to take it to Daily Mount Park. And I'm sure, look, the shows on the, on the other four, Shamrock Rovers, did want that game played in Calais and, and understandably so. Um, but it's probably even away from, from that game. There's some good fixtures, isn't there? There really is some good fixtures in this Any round. shocks um, on the card, Nathan? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. It's um, there's a bit of potential, isn't there? I I was drawn to the UCD and Longford game, and even before uh, when we were even talking about the preliminary rounds of this cup, I, I thought UCD could, if the draw was favourable to them, I thought it could have been far enough. 
Would you consider UCD beating Longford in upset? I don't think I would. No, I, I, I can't. If you're looking at the two of them, you're nearly, you you're nearly expecting you know? UCD to win it just because of the, I suppose, the confidence levels that Longford Town might have at the moment, you know, and UCD, although not, you know, at the, the peak of their strengths in, at the moment in the first division, they are getting results. So you would think that the confidence levels are, are a little bit different between the two teams. Albeit though, Longford are a decent side and if they were in the first division, you know, they'd be challenging. So, um, yeah, confidence can though can win you and lose games. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but if I'm looking at, you know, an outright shock, again, you might disagree, but, you know, you're always looking at the uh, the amateur side and seeing how they can do. And this game here on Saturday at, at 7 o'clock, Manute University Town playing Cold Ramblers uh, in Manute. I would not be shocked if we see if we seen that new side uh, advancing to the quarterfinals. You know, uh, Cold, you know, side that struggling bad for form in the fourth division. You know, a couple of weeks they were battered by Cork City four 0 once he meets me in, in the Cork derby, um, and even going back to the fourth round in the FAI Cup, he made really hard work out of the uh, Dublin side, Liffey Wanderers. They, they beat him two 0 but it, but it was after extra time, you know, and. It's probably a game that you didn't really fancy going going the distance like that. You know, you, you'll always expect a, a league side like Cork to beat these teams. But yeah, definitely made hard, hard work out of it. And ever since that Liffey Wanderers game, they've been winless. The past four games, they've gone without a win. So, yeah, if I'm looking at the point now, you know, I think the news could, could do well because, look, St. Mark is playing uh, Dundalk in Oriel Park and Kinderman is playing uh, Waterford in URC. Probably wouldn't really expect them uh, to advance there. Maybe killing the manager of a decent side. Um, as Dean Clark, Gary McCabe, Connor Kennedy, like you said, former League of Ireland players are playing to kill the manager now. But Waterford have been excellent over the past couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, look, I don't know about Jay Willow, throw the ball back to you. But yeah, if I'm looking for a shock result, I, I would not put a pass in the week. Well, that's the one that I was looking at. You know, with Cove, the way they have been. Um, minute, yeah, no reason why they couldn't. Colester playing Wexford. Wexford yeah. have sort of turned things around a little bit, but there's no reason why Colester couldn't go down there and get a result down there or, or um, you know, progress. So there's there's two there. I mean, the, the the one that I'm looking forward to as well, as much as the Bows and Rovers one, obviously is Finn Harps and Derry City. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that's going to be a golden endless to where Finn Harris got an excellent win on Friday night against St. Pats and it looked, looked really, really good as well. Uh, not obviously with the three goals with, with Hyundai, but the midfield was brilliant, you know. Mark Coyle and Will Seymour just sat deep. They gave Ethan Boyle a bit more room to walk with. Dave Webster was absolutely excellent in the expression the past 15 minutes. Jesus, he was like a brick wall back there. Every header, every block, every challenge, he was, he was just uh, 4-2. And Derry City, you know, they're in a similar vein at like Waterford, aren't they? Since the new manager came in, Rory Higgins got that bit of vote of confidence in a long term deal it's just it's crazy you know it's the Derby City side that I, and I said it before I'll hold my hands up you know I, I'll happily admit when I'm wrong I thought that the goal would have been sustained in, in the Premier Division but Jesus they look like viable European contenders now don't they isn't a mad the difference um, some great young players coming in you know the young lad uh, McGonagall since your voyage has been excellent Ronan Boyce probably one of the best young players in the league this season he's been brilliant Um Scored a nice goal over the weekend against Sligo Rovers again. That's six goals for a right back, you know. That, that, that's a nice return. And I know it's probably sacrilege to say, but talking about a right back that isn't there, Nate James, James Brown. Um, but now we've been excellent. And yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to this one now. Um, probably, but you, look, you know, we're going to find me on Friday. I was doing my own team playing. But yeah, that derby of Finn Harps and Derry City, it could be a good one. And I don't know about you, the type on the call, isn't it? It's probably, the, it's probably away from the Bohemian the Shamrock Rovers game. Probably the tightest game to pick a winner out of. Yeah, um, I might not watch Cork City and St. Pat's because them cameras are just wicked. So uh, I might end up watching Finn Harps and Derry City because uh, I don't know, them the, the first division automated cameras, they do your nothing really, I'd have to say. It's just so, it's a, it's a little bit sickening at times and, and ruins the viewing of the, of they really need to start it out anyhow. Um, but uh, listen, I'm looking at Cork St. Pat's I can only see St. Pat's win that Dundalk to go through Finn Harps and Derry is going to be a really really tight game yeah. um, God who am I edging towards it, I'm going to go going to go for a draw does it, does it go to replays? No no it's it, it has to be a winner 
Yeah, okay. I'll, uh, I'll go Finn Harps. I'm gonna go. Um, woo, 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 woo. I, I'm gonna go for Colester, right? Just for the crack. Uh, Water, Waterford. I'm gonna go for. No, I'm gonna go for Longford. I just think that Longford they do have a lot of good players, and if they go into the game with the right frame of mind, they could beat UCD. If UCD were blown away the first division, I might think differently. Um, but you know, I think it's going to be fairly even. Um, Minute. I think I think Minute could do it. Might be yeah. just wishful thinking there, but Minute obviously everyone likes to see a giant killer, and. I'm going to go for bows, probably because of what you said, Nathan. There's, you know, there's the, the, the turnaround in games, and you know, there could be disappointment there, and you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go for bows in that one there. Do you disagree with me on any of them? Um, do, do you know what? Yeah, I'd actually, I'd be sitting in a vein, you know, just run through it quickly. Yeah, look, Pat's as a pass supporter, um. It fancy them even with the corners cross, you know. And the fairness, looked at the Cork City, they've, you know, we we we've gave them a bit of stick over the past, especially on Friday night, just to the manner of they drew two over Cavan Healy, two late late goals uh, for Cavan Healy to get to get a draw. But Colin Healy's been doing a good job down there, you know. He's been been steady. I think without being uh, really yeah, excellent, it's a t- you know? tough job, Nathan. Been, yeah, they've been on a decent run of form as well. I think uh, even. We're a little bit guilty at times to probably not give them enough credit. I think they're four games now without a defeat, so that's that, that a little bad down there, you know. Picked up good wins against Galway and Cole Vandals in a couple, couple of weeks as well. Uh, so it's great news for them. Even before we came on here, uh, striker Kane Murphy has been put down to a new deal until 2022. Uh, scored nine, nine goals this season. Um, so yeah, look, that's, that's all positive for them. And actually, you know what? I was even wrong there it's a seven game one beating one to one so they, they really have been a fine form so yeah look I think it would be a bit more difficult than, 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 than people might imagine this where the court the upset slide going the last round but yeah I, I'd like to see Pats even if it's a tight one nil two one look we'll take it um, yeah look Dundalk I think they beat Marcus I think UCD will turn over Longford I'd agree with you with uh, Waterford beating Kilmanagh as well yeah Finn Hass and Derry that's the one for me I, I wouldn't be surprised if it even does got the penalties um, now we split it each way. Who knows how it would work out? Yeah, the notes, like I, I, that was my shout earlier for the upset of the round. Um, I'd probably agree with you there with Calesta Donacani, especially at home. You know, who knows? We could be well easily beat Wexford. Um, Wexford, obviously, on, on the form of their life now at the moment. We think we picked up a win and draw the past couple of weeks. So, you know, it's a Wexford side that, you know, the competition is improving. So, it'll be difficult. That's a difficult one to call. But yeah, look, Calesta at home will go with them. And yeah, I'll agree with you about us. Oldham Shamrock Rovers, I think the turnaround could be a bit of a factor in that one. Yeah. Okay. Right. We'll we'll see after the weekend how we get on. We'll be discussing it next week. Who are we? The top pundits or or the big flops? Probably like normal, anyhow, Nathan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that second round of the FA Cup or FAI Cup, and uh, now I'm looking forward to some of them games. It's going to be really interesting. Now, Jack Bourne looks like he could be. Up for a move away from Cyprus, from Applewell. Nathan, what do you think about this one? Is Jackburn League of Ireland bound or is he going to try his hand somewhere else? What should he do? What is he capable of doing? Well, I I think we'd all selfishly like to see him come back to the League of Ireland, especially if you're Shamrock Rovers uh, affinity listening in. I don't think so. I think he will. I think he should um, look elsewhere. You know, there's talk of uh, in, in English Football League club. Personally, I'd like to see him go to the Championship if that's the route he's going to go down. We uh, unite and we're Nick McCarthy at Cardiff City. It's probably the one that, you know, not makes the most sense. But if he was willing to go to Cyprus, um, Nick McCarthy being one of the leading factors. Now, Mick obviously fancied him. He brought me into the Irish setup. Going to Cardiff City, um, you know, with the big million side that, you know, we'll be up there to be, they'll have aspirations to challenge him uh, for the playoffs this season. So, yeah, I think that that'll be the one for me that makes sense. But long term as well, the talk of going over to America, he would be LMS with uh, Charlotte FC. Now, this is a new franchise that hasn't taken off yet, that they've been accepted into the league and they'll be starting in 2022. Uh, the assistant coach there, Christian uh, Lapazio. He actually walked with Jack and he joined the underage systems there with Manchester, Manchester City. So, yeah, look, that, that, they're, they're, they're the tier, especially Charlotte FC has been actually named as a club that, that's been interested in Jack Bourne. And, 
Yeah, look, a move to to America could be on the cards for him. Uh, I just don't see him coming back to the League of Ireland. I just don't see what he gets over, really, you know. Um, he had a, a fantastic spell with Shamrock Rovers, you know, and it's sort of it settled him down a bit, didn't he? You know, it's about Manchester City, there's a lot of hype about him. Uh, went to Blackburn, that was again, a lot of talk, but it bounced around, you know, it spells like the Kilmarnock and stuff, didn't he? Uh, all of them athletic, he just never really sort of settled, so. Now he played a couple of, uh, a decent amount of games, was successful, pretty much built his reputation back up, got himself in the Irish shit up and he, he was for me or to Jordan Stell, he was easily the best player in the league and he was a joy to watch, you know, it's well not when you're when you of playing against him, he didn't like the look of him at all. But yeah, he was great to watch in the league. But yeah, it was, at this stage of his career, twenty five. I'd like to see him even uh, go back over to England uh, after the championship or Look, even the LMS where the standard might, might not be as high, it's still a good move for him. Um, what do you reckon? Do you think a, a move uh, to Shamrock Rovers, like League One is on the cards? And I suppose even another one, it's probably a good question to ask. Is, um, the move itself over Cyprus to Applewell, it's one that was, that was sort of scoffed at, wasn't it? When he made the move over, you know, a lot of people didn't understand it. Um, I could see why, to be honest, you know, Applewell where he was offering them a decent wage packet um, European football was a regularity which actually funny it didn't happen to work out that's why the club was looking to offload Jack now which he failed to get European football for this upcoming season and now they're looking to trim down the wage bill but look up a well outside that, that were known for being regulars in the Europa League and the Champions League uh, group stages so yeah you can see the attraction can't you, you know the way that European football Nick McCarthy was over there a manager that he knows even as an individual, you know, the sunny climate of Cyprus, you know, you can see why he did go for Applewell. I can see why he decided to go for Applewell instead of going to Lincoln, like the whole city, wasn't he, uh, at that time as well. So, yeah, look, what did you make of the move originally? I know we probably talked about it when it happened, but in hindsight, was it a move to me? Could you understand why people were sort of scoffing at him going over to Cyprus when he did? Well, I thought it was a positive thing that he wanted to step outside the League of Ireland again and look to progress his career. I think that's a positive thing. At the moment, the League of Ireland isn't in a position to be able to, I suppose, flourish and and get the money in that you would get if you go and play in in different countries. So you can't say anything about anyone who looks to sort of better themselves in, in that regard. And I think with Applewell, he was getting a good contract. So that's the first thing second of all as you said Mick McCarthy was there so that was the appeal there uh, that didn't last very long so that's a, a downer then he then he got his injury where he was out it says her- herniated disc uh, I can't remember really what it was maybe it was a herniated disc but he was out um, he has only this year he has only played in five games of the 12 league games so far and the most he has played is 45 minutes the least he played was the first game, which was four minutes. So for Jack Bourne, I mean, the the game they played in the second game he played with them, they won 3-2 uh, against uh, Paphos FC. Uh, last weekend, they got beaten 4-0 by Paphos FC in the return game. I'm not sure Jack Bourne is the problem out there. I, I think uh, there's a lot of problems out there and uh, maybe Jack Bourne is better off out of there. I kind of thought, before I looked at the stats, before I looked at everything, that maybe you know Jack Bourne's just not up to the level. But when I'm looking at the stats, I'm looking at how many games he's played, where he's played, um, not being in a squad for seven of the games, there's definitely something going on out there. If they were winning every game, you'd say, okay, but they're not. They're, they're struggling bad over there. If he goes to America, I think he's given up his chances of playing with the Irish national team. So I think that, I don't think that's the move for him. I do think he should try out in the championship. I think he should go for that. If if, if Cardiff is one, great. If, if something like Hull or somewhere else comes up in the championship, go for it. Don't drop in League One. Don't go to League Two. No. You, you got to go try and get into that championship. And uh, you know, great if you if there was a Premiership move, great. But that's not going to happen. I can't see that happening. So, championship is what you're aiming for. Um, but get back into playing professional football across the water. I think, and you know, getting your manager's mind, as in the Irish football team manager Stephen Kenny, and show people what you can do. Because now is the time. As you said, he's 25. 
he really needs to start showing people that he can do it now outside of the League of Ireland and that's that's a big thing and I think he can because I think he has the quality I, I haven't seen games over in, in uh, Applewell so I can't really say what's going on there but he's a bit of a, a, a looks like a Donny van de Beek over there so if you're not playing consistent games you can't prove what you're you're capable of Yeah yeah and I suppose just, just to pick up what you were saying a bit about this say, of like this league even Applewell itself like the, the managerial um System just that can't that, that, that can't be improving things either. The current manager took over Mick McCarthy. Um, he's a sixteen different manager in eight years. Like that's a crazy revolving door. Yeah, you know, the, the, the consistency that you know that must be so hard to come by <laughs> as a player and as a club as a whole. You know, what's what's Jack on there? He's on a two and a half year deal, isn't he? Um, uh, Apple well. So yeah, look, we. Difficult to see him staying, really, wouldn't it? Just by, by all accounts. And it, 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 he's been unlucky too, like you were saying. He's, you know, we arrived around Christmas time and Mick was gone in a matter of weeks. And yeah, the hearing aid disc injury, like you said, that needed surgery. So he, it, there's definitely, you know, there's been a, it's been a spell that's been marriage with an unlucky streak for Jack himself. But yeah, look, I, I echo what you were saying. I think the fact that if he was to drop down to League One at League Two, uh, it'd do him no favours at all. And if that was a route he was going to go down, Personally, I think he'd be better off just come back to Shamrock Rovers in the League of Ireland if that's what he wants to do. But yeah, look, even though I mentioned the Charlotte FTC team um, over in America, yeah, I'd look to him in a championship. I, I think that's the one for him. Just again, picking up what you were saying, the age, the ability of what we've seen he can do when he's given a consistent run of games. Um, there's no reason why, again, the Cardiff City one, I think, is more just um, a heart over head thing, isn't it? With the reunions with Nick McCarthy, but yeah, I'd like to see him go there and just play regular football and show what he can do. And who knows, you know, next season could we see Jack Bourne with Cardiff City in the Premier League? Am I making that up in my head? That'd be great. I'm feeling I am, but yeah, it would be. It really would, you know. And now, look, this is all wishful thinking. He's still sitting over in Cyprus as you speak here now, but yeah, I'd love to see him if he was to go to to leave Cyprus, we go into the Championship. Yeah, well, let's hope uh, because obviously it's not happening over there for him. So let's hope he gets that move before the end of the transfer deadline and that 2021-22 is a season that Jack Bourne remembers and we all remember him playing in. So uh, yeah, best of luck to Jack and hopefully he gets that move. Now, Nathan, we all seen the GAA scenes, I suppose we'll call it, over the weekend with the, the, the crowds, everyone on top of each other and... Uh, of course, the GAA is priority number one, as you have said. It's it's a bit of a kick in the hole, isn't it? When you when you're not just the League of Ireland, we can go through the music industry and mm-hmm. uh, you know the hospitality in- industry and all that sort of stuff. Of course, we talk about League of Ireland. So for the League of Ireland industry, it is a kick in the teeth to know that everything that they talk about, a government talk about in. Uh, regards to looking out for the best interests of the health of the public is just thrown away and discarded when it comes to the GAA. Again, has to be because there's a lot of votes in the GAA. I mean, the Taoiseach of the country is sitting in the middle of, of a crowd. It's not so much the, the, where, what they're doing sitting in the stadiums. It's it's the crowds outside the stadium all on top of each other walking down narrow streets and, you know, they're talking out one mouth side of the mouth and then uh, you know out the other the, the next it's just really really taking the piss isn't it yeah it is and, you know I think we're a bit hesitant aren't we uh, as a podcast to be talking about because you know we wanted to be a place where people can get away from COVID and fucking everything that's going on in the world but, and as well you know we don't want to be sitting here and coming across uh, Android GAA yeah, you know we, we, we've We've nailed our, uh, you know, we we let it be known, haven't we, in the past that we're, we're not GAA fans, and so the fact is just like this, you know, it's fucking bugs, bugs the life out of us. Not only us, but the League of Ireland and the Irish football community as a whole. Like you said, forty thousand fans um, at the, the Cork and Limerick uh, Holland final over the weekend, and the same number going to be at the uh, the All Ireland uh, GAA final um, in a couple of weeks' time. I think on the eleventh September or something like that. But yeah, it's just the images that came out, you know, like you were saying, so many people just conjugating together, you know, in the narrow streets with no masks on. Um, wedge, really. Wedge is probably the words. Um, no no testing needed uh, for the event, no contact tracing, no proof of vaccination at all, you know. It's 
It really is. And you, you can see, you know, it's the to come out now where League of Ireland fans have given out with this and rightly so for a long time. But like you were saying, the the live entertainment sector has really has, you know, with the likes of Electric Picnic and everything now getting um, getting pushed back for another year. Um, it's sort of the fact that it's an outdoor that might event. Be, that might be changing um, now, Nathan. Might it be? Yeah, see, I'm not, again... Off, I, I'm off not, the back I'm of this, no doubt. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it will. But yeah, again, I'm not a massive, uh, massive festival head. You know, I like obviously going to like even some of the festivals. Just, but never really my sort of team, but just going off what, what I've been reading. Um, yeah, look, but like you said, look, back to League of Ireland, that, that's, that is more of a forte, isn't it? The fact that, you know, you can go to League of Ireland games. And look, we've had some tests since, but we've also, you know, it's 500 fans here, 200 fans here, 100 away fans at the odd game. Yeah, just, you can really see why not only us, but League of Ireland fans in general are just getting so disheartened by it, you know, where it's, like we're saying, it's one team, all the, one week it's now all just together, it's the country at the United, we have to you know, protect ourselves and we, we have to limit all these numbers, but then, yeah, a week later, you're looking at the team shop of the country sitting in, in Crow Park at a, at a, a, a packed game, Um but then, you know, we, we, I could go down to the local League of Ireland game. And like I said, it's not being biased. Um, every League of Ireland game I've been to, I've mostly, mostly been in Richmond Park, but I've been in one or two other stadiums, uh, walk and things like that. I've felt entirely safe. You know, we really, really have. And, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the staggered uh, leaving up the ground. There was section by, section by section, which obviously wasn't something that they implemented uh, in Cole Park over the weekend. Now, hand sanitation, masks, masks are a massive thing in the League of Ireland. I think, I know in Richmond Park, again, it's the personal lives, it's every 20 minutes, really, you know, there's like a PA announcement to remind you to wear your mask and put their masks on and stewards are coming around and tend to keep on. Look, that's the stewards just doing their jobs. But again, going out the photographs of everybody conjugating outside of Cole Park, it's, it's just, they were non-existent by, by the photos that we've seen. I don't know. Uh, uh, like I said, I'm always worried that we're coming across as anti-GAA, but it really is just just a, such a frustrating uh, topic um, from a League of Ireland fan to be looking at the scenes over the weekend compared to what we're going to see this weekend in the League of Ireland. Yeah, I think if the Bowls Championship of Ireland had 40,000, that we'd be talking about Bowls, we wouldn't be talking about GAA. It's not necessarily about, it's about one rule for yeah. one and uh, another for another, and that's just not the way things should be. So, yeah, I think people should, listen, like we said about the, the daily mounting, same goes with this kind of thing. Yeah, you have to be heard. So you have to put your voice out there and be heard. If you say nothing, you just, you'll, you, you, you just have to accept everything that's going on and, and that's not what we want. We want to have, you know, a, a football league here that's uh, the best it can possibly be and it can't be the best it can possibly be if it keeps getting held back by uh, nonsense decisions, turning, uh, turning, I suppose, a head and turning an eye away from the league, which happens on a regular basis from the government. So really the people were talking about here is, is is our politicians who make awful decisions and make decisions based on their own sort of gain which I suppose we should be used to that at this stage anyhow okay we'll leave that one there that's that's our whinge over I suppose um, <laughs> the weekly whinge weekly whinge before we do before we do jump off I'll actually be in just a little tack on point because I can see the comments um Oh, there's going to be 25,000 uh, football fans at the, at the upcoming uh, local qualifier for Ireland to Azerbaijan and Serbia. So I'll be actually interested to see how that works out. What will the images be like coming out of that game? Of them two games, you know, will it be a bit more strict in terms of masks and, you know, entry points and exit points to the stadium? Again, look, it's all hypothetical, isn't it? We don't know until, until we see these things. But yeah, I just wanted to get that little point out there because I know there will be somebody saying, well, really, well you'd never mention that about the Ireland games, but... Yeah, look, it's great to see uh, fans back in the Aviva, 24,000, but yeah, it'd be interesting uh, from my point of view, anyway, to see what, what the images are for them games. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Okay. Uh, Wigan have reminded every other EFL club against sectarian chants aimed at James McLean. Nathan, has James found a club that'll really look after him? Uh, I wonder... When I say really look after him, in all fairness, James probably needs someone to help him look after himself. He does himself no favours, so now I know he gets taunted, but he definitely sort of, he, he, he plays that bit of a game as well. So two questions, I suppose. 
the first one I've already said is does it look like he has a club that'll look after him? But second one, does James really kind of had to, you know, bite down on the bullet and avoid trying to rile these people up? Yeah, he, he does, doesn't he, James? Look, as, as much as um, he's a beloved figure over in Ireland, um, you know, for his football ability and his political point of views. And look, I'm, I'm a big fan of James McLean. Does he play up to, to the you know, sort of pantomime villain over in England? Yeah, he definitely does. And so, you know, there has been times I've seen him on social media not doing himself any favours. Look, we've probably got a bit of a laugh out of him, but, you know, you, you can understand how he can write people up. But not the, the image of, of remember him in the balaclava and stuff, doing, doing the history lesson with his kids comes to mind. We might have got a bit of a giggle over, but, um, yeah, you did, certainly, I, I can see why he didn't do many favours in that point of view. Yeah, look, so it's, it's, it's a nice thing for Wigan to do with certainly more than his previous clubs have done. Um, I know even his relationship with, with former Shamrock Rovers manager Michael O'Neill of Stoke City definitely soured over time, didn't it? Especially by coming towards the end of the tenure of Stoke. Um, he was at Wigan before as well, James, uh, when he left Wonderland originally. So it's obviously a club that he knows and respects. Um, I know there's interest in those of Bolton as well, but he opted to go with Wigan. So, yeah, look, it's a nice thing to see. Um, it's probably the, the first, like I said, the first time you've seen any clubs really reminding other, other sides in, in the league and um, about the dangers of it. And look, what you said, look, about James sort of then, just to go back on what we talked about a second ago, um, playing up to the character a little bit. I still, you know, the booing by away fans going to happen. Uh, the booing of, of, we've even seen before, of his own fans doing him. Um, his stance, um, especially when it comes to the poppy, the wood, the poppies and the jerseys from Remembrance Day around November uh, for, for personal reasons. It's always a sore subject with the English fans. You know? So we've seen yeah, his home fans doing them, uh, sectarian abuse and chants and even death threats. So while we do say James has up to the character, you know, there's still a point where, you know, death threats are going too far. We've, we've had interviews with his wife saying that he couldn't get stuff delivered to the house. So, you know, it's still what he does say to the character. There's still no reason why this should be affecting his family and his home life. And no, and I think crazy, that's probably know. why... It, 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 that's probably why he reacts, Nathan. You know, he, he sees yeah. how it affects his family and... And, you know, he probably can't do anything else but react like that. Social media is a powerful tool. So uh, you can kind of understand why he would bite back because he's never been protected before. But if if a club like Wigan now are starting to look after him, then he probably needs to try and, you know, keep on the straight and narrow on social yeah. media terms. Yeah, he, he needs to pay, pay that respect back, doesn't he? You know, the club are giving him that respect and they're reaching out and they're reminding other League One clubs that, no, the FA can't charge. I mean, that's another sore point, you know, about the sectarian abuse. And we've talked about it in the past, haven't we? We talked about James McLean, uh, Shane Duffy was another victim of it um, uh, coming into last year. And just, you know, the, the clubs, the FA themselves, uh, the police, even social media platforms, you know, the trust. And this is even away from sectarian abuse, it's just racial abuse and homophobia as a whole, you know. Fortunately, it's something that's rampant in football um, you see in England you know they're really starting trying to clamp down on the, you know the, the, the taking me and the, the, the racism campaign the anti-racism campaigns and the rainbow laces campaigns you know trying to make football more inclusive so even away from the sectarian chat it's, it's a major issue but yeah the fact that you know it's just, it's never really been clamped down no one has ever really been I'm sure James will even admit it himself you know he, he's never felt protected by the FA and boy, you know, the, the, the government authority bodies, you know, uh, over English football. So I wonder, is it a frustrating, I know it's only a question I'm going to have to ask James, I suppose, is, is it frustrating, you know, to, to see all, you know, the, and, and rightly so, seeing all these anti-racism campaigns get set up, but nothing actually being done when, when, a, when a physical, uh, you know, physical act is happening, you know, when a man like James is getting uh, abused on, on a weekly basis, and that, that only heightens around November time, doesn't it, when the Remembrance Day, and Poppy's come out in the jerseys and look, while he's not the, the, there are other players in the leagues um, that refuse to wear the poppies, but I think that, like I said, the sort of what James is like as a player, and what James is like, you know, he, he probably felt like that he's never had that protection yet, so he'll stand up for himself. You know, that, that's, uh, I'm sure that's one of the reasons why he, he does get the, the abuse that he does compared to others that, that, that refuse to wear the poppy in the jersey. Um, yeah, look, look, nice. It really is. It's nice from Wiggins, you know, to show that bit of support for the player. Yeah, so I'd like to see James uh, show that bit of respect back and tone it back a little bit, you know. Just don't bully back. Don't give him a reason. 
to stand up, you know. And I know, look, you shouldn't, the death threat should never be a part of football, but that's, when, you, when you have a face like Twitter, you know, it's a fucking chef tool, isn't it? You know, it gives any old idiot uh, a platform to stand up and, and to stow that shit. Yeah, it's not really that it's a place in football. It's, it's just life. This is people. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at how the headlines keep blaring up on Sky Sports News. You know, this player has been racially abused. That player has been racially abused. It's like it was the first time ever. Like they're finding out something here that never happened before. This has been happening for years upon years upon years, even on social media. There's always going to be that. I don't care how much you kneel down. There's always going to be that. People are like that. So you you can try and educate as many people as you can, no matter how well you get it down to. It's a bit like I don't know. It's probably hospital numbers. No matter how well you keep, you're always going to have people in hospital. And I think you're always going to have people who are disrespectful and will say nasty things and racist things, and you know. That's just the way it is. That's just life. That's you, you, I don't think you're going to change that at all. There's like, there's always going to be murderers. You know, no one wants, no one likes to see that. But that's there's always going to be. So, yeah, I think the only way though is that uh, you've just got to, I suppose, support the people and I suppose not let it, like yes, the kneeling for for racism. Yeah, that's fine, and I think they're trying to do something, and and that's good. And I think they, it's awareness is great, and I think it is it, it is really good. But the only way you're going to stop people from um, being racist, I suppose, on social media is to have all their details to be able to set up an account, and then ban them for life. And and of course, then obviously yeah. there's a you know jail time or whatever it is, depending on what they've said. But the same with football stadiums. They need to ban more people. That's it. You see anyone doing anything, you hear anyone saying anything, ban them. Ban them for life. And they shouldn't yep. just be banned from one stadium. They should be banned from all stadiums. So it should be a, a, a Premier League and Football League ban. They shouldn't be allowed in those stadiums again. Whether that's for, you know, five years or ten years or life, whatever it is, or maybe on your, fir- your first one, you you get a five-year one, second, it's life or whatever. I haven't thought about it, but yeah, they yeah. just they just need to have strict rules. And let's put it this way: the likes of Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, they've all got to step up to step up to play. Especially, most especially Twitter, who have really done nothing so far to try and help out. And uh, really, I suppose all these top sports stars should just boycott Twitter, and then they'd know all about it. I suppose so. Um, okay, right. We we'll leave that one there because, uh, yeah, that's something that we, we we hope would go away. You hope would resolve itself, but probably never ever will. And you're just, you know, you just have to support people in these situations. So Wigan hopefully are starting to do that with James. Okay, fan question. Yeah, we got a fan question in this week by a, a gentleman called Jerry Grady. Now Jerry sent us in thirty. Um, Raise the question, um, which I do appreciate, Jerry. But, but you know, I'm going to sort of expand on it a little bit. Um, but yeah, look again before we jump into that. If you're listening in and want your question, uh, we'd love to have them. You know, send them into us at the big kickoff on social media, or you can do what Jerry doing. Jerry actually reached out to himself on Facebook. Uh, you can get me Nathan Doyle uh, on social media. Look at Facebook, uh, Instagram. Yeah, keep them coming because we do enjoy them. Um, so yeah, Jerry's original question was, and he was talking about the. First of all, did you see the new commemorative uh, Ireland jersey? I did, and I actually have it here right in front of me. I'm looking at it on the screen right now, yeah. So, 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 uh, well, up to date anyway. Yeah, so Jerry pretty much asks, um, probably a bit of information, so if they're listening, Jerry, we'll give you that as well. And he simply just asks, why is the jersey blue? So, to answer Jerry's question first, we will push this a bit further. Uh, I believe, now, you can jump in if I'm gone, I believe that... um, the jersey was released to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the FEI. Pretty much, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And the reason that's blue was Ireland played Bulgaria at the Olympics in Paris in 1924. We only talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it was the first ever international under the Republic of Ireland banner. And on that day, they wore a blue jersey. And I'm assuming the goalkeeper wore a yellow jersey. So they bought a blue jersey, but now for your players, and a yellow jersey for... Um, for the goalkeeper. So yeah, uh, Jerry, I believe that's why uh, it's blue. Again, that 100% quote me on that, but yeah, I'd be 99.9% sure that's the reason behind it. I suppose, look, just to 
to expand on Jamie's question, uh, first of all, basically, what do you what do you think about what, what do you make of, of the jersey that was released? Because I'm not too sure. I and I'm a fan of retro jerseys, and I can understand them. Um, for me, I think I, I prefer it as more of a collector's item. You know, you see that the box that comes in and um, the old school, just the, the, the plain shamrock badge that's on it. But yeah, as a design itself, I'm not too sure. Uh, am I wrong? Am I, am I have a, a bad taste in jerseys? What do you make? Well, first of all, Nathan, did you see the price? I did. It was like 80 quid or something. 82 <laughs> euro. So... First of all, that's out the window. Not a chance in hell would I buy a blue Ireland jersey for 82 euro. Nonsense. I have the blue, de- there's a blue training top, uh, polo neck sort of training top. It's nice. It has a, a little green trim around the sleeve. It actually looks well. It looks nice. Um, and uh, I have a couple of the, the green polo neck uh, tops as well. Don't necessarily get the jerseys. Well, I haven't for a while, but... Um, yeah, you listen. Can't, you can't keep. You can't keep up with the fuck. I you can't, you can't keep really up with them. No, but I certainly won't be spending eighty two euro on a blue Ireland jersey. Um, that yeah, it's no. I, I I'm not mad about it to tell you the truth. So no. uh, and eighty two euro is not enticing me to go anywhere near it. So no way. For Ireland jerseys in general, Nathan, what's your favorite Ireland jersey? Yeah, it's um. Yeah, so I, I'm pretty sure we're both in agreement that this new one isn't going to be in any of our... Nowhere near it. Nowhere near it. It'll be gone by the end of the week. Um, I suppose, look, I wasn't even born when the studio was out, which, which I'm sure I made you feel a bit shit about yourself. Sorry about that. Um, but look, I think everybody looks at the Italian 90, don't they, with rose tinted glasses and that white away jersey. Oh, absolutely beautiful. The, the white... Uh, Italian Night the Opal one the yeah. Old, yeah the old Adidas uh, logo on it a bit of green around the trim the collar yeah chef kiss 10 out of 10 I think I think that the, the white yeah you're right the white one was better than the green one wasn't it it just yeah. I don't know what it was it was something about it and then there was the, the white one in the 94 World Cup which had uh, kind of stripes but it was it, they sort of faded oh, away is- Halfway yeah, down the jersey, yeah. I just remember Paul McGrath in 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 Italy uh, against Italy, and uh, and for some other reason I have the Holland game in my head, but I just remember that jersey. I, I like that the white one actually white Ireland jerseys to be quite nice. Yeah, you know even even the most recent one, the, the white one, the white the it's a little bit plain, but you know yeah, again it sort of harkens back to the uh, the orange around the um, the collar and things like that. Yeah, for me, it was a, probably since Tree came in, they're, they're fairly basic looking and um, don't do an awful lot. For me, I haven't bought an Iron jersey in, in a long time. Just yeah, mainly for the fact that it's just trying to keep up with them. You know, there's one released out every bloody year, every, every, probably even less at this stage. But trying to keep up with them, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm a fan of the Aircon jersey, the 2002 World Cup. Um, I like that, which probably sounds mad uh, from your point of view, but. For me, that'd be nostalgic, you know, being a, a young book that was only born in 1996. So, you know, I'd look at some of the, the Aircom jerseys from the early 2000s and I'd have a little bit of a nostalgic affinity to them. So, yeah, they're, they're, that's probably the, the nostalgic thing for me. Um, I suppose, what I want to talk about, I want to talk about a controversy. And it's one that I was personally never a fan of. Um, do you remember the Orange jersey? I think it was in the late 90s, wasn't it? It's it was the Macedonia the jersey. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you make of that? I think it's green. It's horrible. It's I, I, it, it's, it's loud. It's out there, but it's also tainted <laughs> with bad results. Um. So yeah, it, it's if if think if there was a few good results and a qualification wrapped around it, you'd probably be loving the jersey. But it's a bit heavy. I think the the orange is a bit too much. The green, I think it's green sleeves, black sleeves, sort of stripes and then the colour is great yeah no and I'm, I'm just gone onto it here now and I'm looking at Roy Keane with a big fuzzy yeah, head yeah that's the one isn't it that, that, yeah. that's the photo isn't it um, yeah it just it doesn't like, suit it seems like I even said that to myself yeah he kind of like looks Bulgarian or something minute, so maybe that was the look they were going for <laughs> I'm not sure but uh, yeah, no, no, doesn't the, the orange one doesn't do it for me I actually like the jerseys that are out now They're, I think the jersey now is quite decent yeah, like I said, the white away one, uh, they're just playing, they're sometimes just playing soon, but you know, um, you know, sponsor can sort of help as well. Um, 
what was the one even before that that not a lot of people liked? I thought it was actually about the two bads. Uh, remember, it was sort of like a, it was a collar jersey, and it was a bit of a, a darker green. Just the, the jersey just before the most recent one with mm. the, uh, the tree logo. Um, yeah. yeah, I like that. was another one that I liked. Um, like I said, I've, I've not really, the, the tree jerseys are just so inoffensive, you know, they're just, they're just there really, you know, they're, they're, a lot of them are plain, the base is looking, but yeah, it's just the price that gets you, isn't it? Yeah. I know, it's the, the new balance the ones that, you know, that they had just before this one, Um, I think it was a dark green, it wasn't the light green, it's a real dark green, yeah. I, I like that one, I thought that was nice, I thought that colour suited us as well, uh, sometimes the, the bright green is a little bit, a little bit too bright, but um, yeah, Okay, right. So we've now we our out and out one is probably the white Italia ninety one. Yeah, it probably is. Um, and but you know, one more before before we do bounce on this topic. Um, and you know, this is actually goes back when I uh, was doing like the career of articles over and the big kickoff, and one of them was always Liam Buckley and one of his rare uh, Ireland games. He had the, the jersey on, and what I can remember. And it'd probably be a little bit off. I'll try and Google it while I talk just to make sure I'm getting it right. It was green jersey with some some yellow pinstrip stripes going down the middle of it. I'm sure it would have been around the era of Liam Brady and and and, and them lads. Um, I had that one. Did you? Yeah, but so it should have some sort of. I think it was probably about eighty mid eighties, maybe eighty six, maybe eighty five. I would say. Would I be wrong? Um, I know there's one that was from the late seventies, also pinstriped, white stripe down the middle, was it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. The white and yellow pinstripe. And then I had the another one that had kind of, I think it was a yellowy stripe or something. I think that's the one that I had from the eighties. So, yeah, they're actually better than that blue one. You know, the blue one's just muck. So, uh, I think we should. Yeah. We should agree the blue one is muck and we should agree that the white one is uh, solid. Deadly. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, the blue one would probably it'd hold a bit more weight if we were actually in the Olympics in the past 100 years. Ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to be in that rubbish competition. Okay. Uh, right, Nathan, thanks very much for your time and everyone who listened in, thanks very much again. Don't be afraid to send in any questions, topics or anything anything at all you really want to talk about. Send it in or into the League of Ireland Sports Bar, which is on a Friday at 10 o'clock. Um, join us then. Thanks very much.